There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, then you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and productive personal and work lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspire contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use in your life and that you come alive with the possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and are inspired to discover for yourself just how big and fulfilling your life, work, and leadership can be. And if you do catch fire from anything you hear, reach out and tell me about it. I want to hear from you. Email me at elise at elisecortez.com or go to my website and use the contact me feature there to, to message me and tell me what you, what you need from me, whether you want to hear about what's coming up on the radio show whether you want to join one of our Catch Fire Online Inspiration, Accountability, or Mastermind communities, or you want some information about our purpose-driven leadership programs. At any event, I'm happy to talk with you, and I'm glad we're connected. Thanks for listening. This week's program, here we go. Today, we celebrate philanthropy and living and working with purpose. With us today is the dynamic duo of Bob Hopkins and Amit Banerjee. Bob is a philanthropist, educator, and change maker up to all kinds of things in life. And Amit is the CEO of Philanthropy Kids, a nonprofit dedicated to helping and celebrating inspiring philanthropy in youth. He's also a student at SMU studying electrical engineering and, like Bob, involved in a whole host of other philanthropic efforts. We're recording this together in Bob's office in Dallas, Texas. Bob and Amit, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having us. It's so great to have you both here, the both of you, two handsome men. Sorry, listeners, that you can't actually see them, but I can. Um, so let's start, if we can, here. Bob, you and I met several years ago, and I had you on the radio show a couple of years ago, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But catch us up. What are you up to in the world? You're out, you're out changing the world, making a difference. You're a role model. You're an activist. I don't even know when you sleep. You're tireless. You're writing a book. You're teaching in Texas and Mexico. What else? What else? What else? Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. You know, at least I'm one of these people that takes opportunity. And I tell my students, I'm a college professor. I tell my students, take opportunity. Don't miss out. Somebody says, let's go someplace. Do it. Go if you can. Uh, Anyway, thank you for inviting us. I have Amit Banerjee with me. We've known each other for a number of years. Amit and I have. He was in fourth grade. Now he's a junior in college. He was in fourth grade when he was in my class. Um, It was called Philanthropy and Volunteerism in Entrepreneurship, PAVE. Uh, It was an organization that I created in 1997, something like that. And I don't remember exactly when Amit was in my class, but um, we've been connected all these years. His mother and his brother and his dad, they're all connected as well. We've even taken a trip together to Mexico to do good, good things like paint a school for children and do some social entrepreneurship work. We took 10 other people with us. And so we are now talking about going to India next December and take 10 students with us. And we're going to do the same thing, work with children teaching social entrepreneurship. 
So back to your question, what am I doing these days? I'm constantly thinking about what I'm going to do next. And your program is about purpose. I think we all are hunting for purpose and I'm hunting for the next thing I do. But right now I'm teaching college and still working with my PAVE program. Um, a couple of things that I want to say really quick. Uh, one is that I, I, I stand for this place of really celebrating our one precious life. What are you going to do with this one precious life? And I'm, I really am struck by all your, the, the both of you are up to. And I meet so many people and I often wonder to myself, is that all you really want from this one precious life? That's all you want? You two are the other end of the spectrum, of course, right? You, you really, really do want and want to give a lot to this life. And I want to share for our listeners, Bob, that when I interviewed you, interviewed you back in March of 2016, I, we were in your classroom for, for the radio show conversation. And one of the things that I've never been able to forget about that conversation is when I ask you the question, I said, Bob, what is it that motivates you? Where does all this energy come to do everything you're up to? Do you remember what you told me? No. You got this really soft, thoughtful look on your face and you said, Something along the lines of, I just want to make sure that I've done enough. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I think it is. So that's one of the reasons I had to have you come back. So um, you said in that conversation, one of the things we talked about is the reason you do the work that you do, especially with with your volunteerism education programs, is that you believe, and maybe you have research on this, that when you teach young people to volunteer and be philanthropic, that you then set them on on the path of life to be able to avoid incarceration, to uh, avoid being poor. Uh, that it's it really it, it really will lift up a society in, in many many very many ways. Can you say more about that perspective? Well, now that you're talking and you're asking me these questions, you know, um, at least people ask me why do I do what I do, and it's not because I feel like I have to be busy all the time. But my answer is quite simple. It's it's what makes me happy. And I guess then you have to define what is happiness. And I don't know, but when I look at the projects that I create or the students who are listening to what I have to say and they respond and they get it and they light up, that makes me happy. And I can remember being in Mexico working with children and after a semester going in once a week with students and seeing them shake hands and see a child change just because of a handshake, you know, tears started rolling down my cheeks because I it made me happy to see somebody be changed because of something that I created long ago. And I think that's the answer here is what makes you happy. And I, I know purpose obviously is what's going to make people happy, but can you define yourself when you were happy and what made you happy? Was it ice cream? Or was it a kiss or was it a hug or was it somebody who said something to you? I don't know. At the end of the day, when you go to bed and you go to bed happy, thinking of what happened that day, I guess that's the purpose. Well, that's beautiful. And I I think I would add something to that from what I know of you and how I've seen you work is that when we we stand in our purpose and we get to live our purpose through our work or through our lives – it, it, it gives something to us. It, it, it lets us stand in a place of inspiration. And I think those tears that you felt were probably also tears of being moved, that you were inspired by what you saw in that child, I'm going to guess, in addition to being happy. Yes, no, kind of, sort of? Yes, kind of, sort of. And, you know, I'm looking at Amit here, and that's he's the one who, who makes me happy. Because I met him when he was nine years old, and now he's 20. 
And I have seen him develop through the years, being just a student in my class and hearing the word philanthropy, and I'll let him talk, and then see what he's done with his life, which is unbelievable and amazing. Well, and talk about impact and making a difference. And so I'll get to that in just a second. I mean, I definitely want to share you with our listeners. But the thing about this is I think most people get up in the morning and I don't think few of us get up and go, you know, I hope that nobody notices that I'm around today. I hope that nobody really gets the memo that I exist. I doubt very few of us get up that way. Most of us want to get up and know that our lives make a difference and we individually matter. I'm seeing nodding heads. And so certainly you are an example, I believe, of somebody who's really mad. Bob, and so were you, Amit. So the reason we're having this conversation is when I went back and revisited that conversation that we had back in March of 2016, and I looked at that PAVE program that you that you're up to, and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we could talk with somebody who's been through that program and see how it might have affected them? Did it actually make a difference to them? Which is why we're here today. And you suggested we talk with Amit, which I think is fantastic. So let's turn it over to you, Amit. Hello, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hi there. Um, it's just so great. So you're, you're 20 years old, and you're you're really up to amazing things. I mean, you've got this nonprofit that you started, which we want to hear about. You're a student studying at Southern Methodist University Electrical Engineering, and you do all kinds of other volunteer activities. It's really impressive, Amit. So first, would you just say a little bit about, help us understand your world, speak up a little bit so we can hear you, mm-hmm. what you pour yourself into. Say more about who you are. Um, so I like to live my life by this kind of four part mantra. I like to think, I like to learn, I like to help people and I like to help people help people. Um, and Could you say that one more time, please. That's great. Your, your mantra one more time. I like to think, I like to learn, I like to help people and I like to help people help people. Um, and so whether it's the academic part of my life or the philanthropic part of my life, um, I'm always trying to incorporate all four of those kind of tenets. Um, into what I'm doing. So when I'm in the classroom at SMU, um, while you know I'm thinking and I'm learning about math or history or whatever it might be, I'm also trying to think, how can I put a philanthropic angle to this? And when I'm out in the philanthropic community, like I'm volunteering, I'm uh, getting my friends involved with community service and volunteerism, but I'm also thinking of it in a kind of, in a different way, like how can I, be innovative with this? How can I be more analytical and how can I be more thorough to make it more, make the impact more effective? Uh, and, or I guess more, or create more of an impact, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, okay, two follow up questions if I can. Yeah. First, we um, were studying electrical engineering. Why mm-hmm. electrical engineering? Um, so I, when I was in school, like middle school and high school, I figured that I was, I realized I was good at math. Um, and then like when I started taking physics classes, I really liked physics and I thought it was cool because it kind of explained, oh, when you drop a pencil, this is why it falls to the ground. Um, and that was just fascinating to me and it was something I was better at than some of the other subjects. So I thought, let me look into that. I also have an interest in, uh, clean energy and, uh, finding renewable energy sources and, um, with a background in electrical engineering, I could be more informed when... Um, advocating that or even like you know developing something if it comes to that oh my gosh that's beautiful really really impressive it's just so many young people when they're out considering what shall I study I don't think put that kind of thought into it yes they think about what am I good at which is great that's very very important but then considering what do I do with that in the world 
I think as a young person, that can be very hard. So the fact that you can connect that with, with renewable energy and other things that you're interested in, I think that's, that's, that's phenomenal. So the second question is, and it might point to what we're going to get to here is, it sounds like you've got this lens for philanthropy. So you want to sprinkle that in what you're doing with your conversations and the work that you're doing with your with your foundation, your organization. What's your bent on that? Why is it so important to you? So um, I'll tell you a little story about kind of how I got introduced to the word philanthropy. As Bob mentioned, um, when I was nine, I was in fourth grade, I was... Um, at McCoy Elementary in Carrollton, Texas. And one day my teacher said, hey, there's this guy, Bob Hopkins. He's going to teach this course for the next eight weeks. It's called PAVE. It stands for Philanthropy and Volunteerism in Education. And I was, I was a, you know, fourth grader. I was like, okay, I guess, well, I guess that's what it's going to be for the next eight weeks. And on the first day um, of this eight-week course, uh, Mr. Hopkins writes on the board, philanthropy, and underneath it he writes philos and anthropo. Uh, the Greek or Latin stems, the Greek uh, stems for love and mankind. And he tells us philanthropy is a big word, but all it means is the love of mankind. And it was that sentence, that statement, that kind of got all these gears turning in my head. That, and um, over the course of eight weeks, we learned everything from how to write a, like a letter asking for donations to a specific cause to um, how do you interact with a um, high net worth potential donor. And like as a, as a fourth grader, we're learning about strong, like strong communication skills that are needed to be effective in the philanthropic community. Um, and so this this class was super formative in helping me shape my worldview and realizing that I can integrate philanthropy into everything because it's not just about raising money or donating money. It's about showing people that you care. Um, and when, when Ms. Hopkins kind of took us through this course, I realized I can live a philanthropic life every single day as an, as a fourth grader and as a 20 year old, that still holds true. Um, I really try to keep that, through and through. And I've stayed connected with Mr. Hopkins. We've done a lot of projects together. We're still doing a lot of projects together. Um, and it's all that focus. It's all focused around um, helping people realize that you don't have to be rich or old to be a philanthropist. You just have to care. That's beautiful. And on that note, let's take our first break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Bob Hopkins and Amit Banerjee. Bob is a philanthropist, educator, and change maker up to all kinds of things in, in life. And Amit is the CEO of Philanthropy Kids, a nonprofit dedicated to celebrating and inspiring philanthropy in youth. We are together in Bob's office for this conversation. We've been talking a bit about the two of them and their worlds, what, they, what they've been up to, and how they met. After the break, we're going to talk more about Amit's experience in the program and why it was so informative to him and what they're up to together. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Ali 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guests are Bob Hopkins and Amit Banerjee. Amit. Amit. Amit Banerjee. Bob is a philanthropist, educator, and change maker up to all kinds of things in life. And Amit is the CEO of Philanthropy Kids, a nonprofit dedicated to celebrating and inspiring philanthropy in youth. He's also a student at Southern Methodist University studying electrical engineering and, like Bob, involved in a whole host of other philanthropic efforts. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So if we can go back, Amit, I want to hear a little bit more about this whole experience because, like both of you, I'm also interested in making a difference in the world and being able to really presence for us really why that that original class stuck with you. I mean, you could have forgotten this. I mean, you were in fourth grade. I mean, it was an eight-week class. It was, we say in Texas, you have slept since then. So you could have forgotten this stuff, but it, but it, it, it didn't leave you. So tell us a little bit more about what's happened over the years and how that original class has continued to affect you. So... Um a little bit of background, like my parents were very involved with like me while I was growing up um, and they were always uh, encouraging me to be involved um, in things and, you know, care about the community and be active in the community. Um, I was also involved in Boy Scouts. Uh, I was in Cub Scouts since I was in first grade and I've stayed with that for several years. So uh, when it came to community service and volunteerism, it wasn't uh, completely foreign to me. But PAVE was structured in such a way that it helped me just really understand the like breadth that philanthropy can cover. Um, and I, what I really liked about it was it was a very kind of academic approach to something that you kind of quote unquote learn on the fly um, otherwise. And so it really took us through everything regarding the philanthropic world. Um, and it wasn't, it was made to where fourth graders could understand, but it wasn't dumbed down for us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned everything about how to identify causes that we uh, care about. Uh, we had to choose between several nonprofits to decide which one we were going to fundraise uh, for over the eight week period. Um, so we had to know how to look at a nonprofit and say, I like this, uh, I like the goals of this organization. And I like what they stand for, and I think they're uh, worth um, supporting as well as raising money for. Um, we learn about how to interact with potential donors. So when we do like reach out to them for financial support uh, for our donation drive, um, we are effective. We, while we're only nine years old, we're able to maintain eye contact. We're able to have a firm handshake, create these really strong first impressions that just help strengthen the relationship that help acquire those like donations. 
Um, and these are things that nine-year-olds are not usually exposed to. But it was the the course itself, it was well-organized and well-executed um, to where we could understand what's going on. And this is, quote-unquote, an adult topic that, like, you know, nine-year-olds are not talking about day-to-day. But it's something that it entered our conversation afterwards. Okay. Got it. Now, when did you start philanthropy kits what year was that how old were you so after i graduated the pay program the word philanthropy never left my brain it was always like <laughs> it just kind of it, like in the background in the foreground it was it was always there i was still involved in boy scouts and i was working on my eagle scout rank and one of the requirements for the eagle scout rank is to execute an eagle scout uh, service project and I knew that Mr. Hopkins was the expert on anything philanthropic. And so we reached out to him and said, hi, Mr. Hopkins, I'm working on my Eagle Scout project. And I know you like have tons of wisdom. Can we meet and talk about what potential project I can undertake? So we meet and immediately we like just, re- it's been a couple years, but we reconnect um, I think it was 2011. So you were... Time. I was 13. 13. At the time. And so um, a few years removed from the paid program, but we still hit the ground running and uh, decided let's create a platform to highlight the stories of kids or highlight kids doing good, um, however big, however small. And thus, Blind to Be Kids started. You were 13 years old. Go ahead, It Bob. was a magazine. Yes. It's it, a magazine. Okay. Because right. yes. I was f- publishing a magazine at the time called Philanthropy in Texas. Okay. And then Philanthropy World Magazine. And so we determined through our discussions that he needed to create a magazine himself, but it was had a different focus. It was Philanthropy Kids. So it was about kids doing good things. And it was a couple of year project, but um, he got it done and did his first issue. Then he got his Eagle Scout. And we're still continuing. I mean, here we are. He, he was 14 then, and now he's 20, and we're still working together. And let me just say something really important here. Number one is he comes from an upper, upper middle class family. He's got parents, a mother and a father, who care a lot about this child, and they don't ever leave him by, to do anything by himself. They're, 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 they're real parents, which I think is really important in the development of a child is their parents. Absolutely. Okay. So anyway, his mother is now the executive director of actually my nonprofit organization, and he's the CEO of the board, the board of that same nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. So we're still working together, and we're going to go to India now and take students there to work. With, he's Indian to work with students that he already knows from his mother's hometown, which is what. Nagpur. Nag- Nagpur. Nagpur, India. Nagpur, India. What part of India is that? Uh, it's like dead in the center. Okay. They've already been, and he's already talked to kids there. So it was so successful and so wonderful, we decided to make it one of our annual trips to go with students to that, to that activity. So anyway, I think the parent thing is really important. Another thing is real, what I have determined, though, is that if we want to really change the world, we need to change kids who are poor. Yes. So how do I get to poor kids? Well, I went mm-hmm. to a school... And I said, usually I get the best, your best kids. I want the worst kids. And they said, no, you don't. You want, don't want the worst kids because they're really bad. And I said, no, no, we want the worst kids. And I took 
students with me to go and do the same project to see if we could change the minds and the hearts and maybe the future of children who are in poverty and who will be in poverty generation after generation. So that is now our focus, Mm -hmm. is poor kids not necessarily going to schools where the rich kids are because we see that kids are kids. And if we can change what they want to do with their lives instead of doing drugs and alcohol and drop out of school and instead think they want to be an electrical engineering be- engineer because they have these role models now they're coming out of colleges and that's where Mitt fits in again only he's now the teacher i think a really cool aspect that we've been focusing on is like self-esteem and trying to boost that within um a lot of the kids that we're working with um helping them find their purpose and helping them realize i as a kid can do something meaningful and that's what that's one of my favorite parts about the paid program as a student and now as like more an administrator. I want to be involved. Pick me. Yeah, you can go. You can go. Do you <laughs> want to go me. to India? Seriously, and, I love India. I've been there in 2014. I love it. I love your country. I mean, it's beautiful. It's The culture is astounding, breathtaking. Your food is magnificent and makes me fat because I eat a lot of it. Um, but that was a great, great addition. Thank you both for, for adding that. And at this point, I do want to I want to just surface for our listeners your your connection. So, Bob, first, what did you see in Amit? You, you met him when he was nine years old. Um, what did you see in this young man? I didn't see anything when I, when I taught the class mm-hmm. because he was a, one of 20 or 30 students. And he wasn't necessarily a standout because all the kids were standouts, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But obviously what I, we said to him about philanthropy, he went and told his dad, I want to do something in philanthropy. And his dad went, found my email address and said, you don't know us, but we know you. We met you when Amit was in fourth grade, and this is, of course, five years later. Would you be willing to meet with us? And so the whole family came and met with me, and we decided to meet every month for about six months to figure out what to do here. And, you know, again, it made me happy to see what I had created and what was happening now with this kid and so I would be so excited to go see the family because you know what I changed mom and I changed dad and then now their son they have got another son who also got his Eagle Scout and he's just as much a part of all of this as deal and his mother says this changed our whole family oh that's so yeah. great Bob I know like our dinner table conversation they're so much different than what they were you know before the program or like the fact that like you know, my I mentioned my mindset changed, but yeah, everyone in my family, like each of their mindset changed. Like they just continue to think about philanthropy, like with every action they have. And so like the pay program, like definitely like kind of bleeds outside of just the classroom. It goes back home too. And now I have a book called Philanthropy Misunderstood. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Okay. I was going to ask you about that. So this is stories of people who are doing great things and why they do them. And what they get out of it. Because I think that everybody is hunting for a purpose. I think everybody wants to find out. What can I do? What can I do? And so I think that we learn by other people's experiences. And so not just my experiences. So I have 111 people who are in the book. Who are And of course these are people I have worked with over the years. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't the star. They were the star. I worked with them though. I've been to Nepal. I've been to Haiti. I've been to Mexico three, four times with people who are doing significant things for others. And so it's not just teaching this. I mean, it's, you know, it's building something. And of course, the whole purpose of the book, it's not what you bought, it's what you built. 
Yes. And so it's programs. And these could be people who wrote checks, but that's not what the focus is. The focus is people who are doing real things in philanthropy, which is called the love of mankind. Okay. So anyway, um, hopefully people will get ideas from reading this book about what they could do because we all can do something. And it's just that we just don't know what it is. And that's where we come in. Okay, so a couple things about that, Bob. One, one is when is the book coming out? It'll be out in October. October of two thousand nineteen. Let's watch for that, listeners. Philanthropy misunderstood. Yeah, that's what it's called. Okay, so what I want to say about that that I think is so great. One, I know I'm writing a book too. It takes an awful lot of work to write a book. It takes something to birth that thing. What I really appreciate about what you're up to in that that book initiative is that you're trying to one showcase the the contributions of other people, and that's just like you to do something like that. But two, to be able to provide something that maybe gives ideas to others for how they too can one find their own purpose and two contribute meaningfully. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's the purpose of the book. Uh, people ask me where did I get my ideas to do things in, philanthropically, and it started with my mother. You know, and I think I asked, I did a questionnaire. Are you born a philanthropist? Are you born a giver or do you learn it? And 99% of the people say they learned it. I think I learned mine too, of course. Who'd you learn it from? Well, I learned it because my mother, she took me here, 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 here to do this, this, this. My dad, he was in Lions Club. He was doing pancakes on Main Street, downtown Garden City, Kansas. And I watched him do that. And then I watched him knock on doors asking for money for the church. And then I saw my mom and then I saw my dad. And then they put me in stuff. And I was doing stuff all the time, but I didn't know it was philanthropy. I just figured it was a way of living. Um, but you know what, Elise, and this is what disturbs me, is that there are so many millions of people in the United States who don't have a purpose because nobody ever taught them that they needed one. We have people in our country who are just barely getting by. They don't have time to volunteer. They don't have time to make a difference. Oh, so well said, Bob. And on that note, let's take our last break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Bob Hopkins and Amit Banerjee. Bob is a philanthropist, educator, and change maker up to all kinds of things in life. And Amit is the CEO of Philanthropy Kids, a nonprofit dedicated to celebrating and inspiring philanthropy in youth. We are together in Bob's office for this conversation. After the break, we're going to hear more about what the two of them are up to. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in now, my guest is Bob Hopkins and Amit Banerjee. 
Bob is a philanthropist, educator, and change maker up to all kinds of things in life. And Amit is the CEO of Philanthropy Kids, a nonprofit dedicated to celebrating and inspiring philanthropy in youth. And he's also a student at Southern Methodist University here in Dallas studying electrical engineering. And like Bob, involved in a whole host of other philanthropic efforts. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, gentlemen, for this last bit of time here together, let's talk a little bit about what you're both up to together. So, um, Amit, you you are the, the CEO of Philanthropy Kids. I did notice that there was a person, a woman who had your similar last name. Now I know it's your mother. That she <laughs> she could. Here's the great thing: is I I thought she could actually be your sister, which is fantastic. I'm envious of that, um, really. So you can pass that on to her would you please okay um she can give me a hug later on <laughs> so let's talk about what you're up to what are you doing if we have to be kids um so right now we're trying to uh we're always on the hunt for stories we're always asking students or asking kids around the world like hey if you're doing good send us your story it could be anything from holding a door open for someone to creating an international nonprofit that builds wells in third world countries um and so we're always on the hunt for stories and we're always wanting to publish them. Uh, and we're moving to a digital medium, uh, you integrating more social media and things like that. Additionally, we're trying to expand the PAVE program as much as we can because the more kids that we can reach out to and teach uh, about philanthropy, the just more kids will know about philanthropy. And as Bob mentioned, it's incredibly important to like helping them find their purpose and stuff like that. So those are uh, kind of the two projects that we've had and we're still continuing to do. We have a class starting, actually, in June. Every Saturday in June for three hours from 9 until 12 with lunch. Um, every Saturday, that'd be five. We will be uh, working with 20 students and they have to sign and they have to pay. And as they pay 50 bucks or something like that, and it includes their lunch and they get volunteer fundraising um people who are, have been through the paid program to be part of this deal. And uh, Amit will be there. I will be there. His mother will be there. And then we have a teacher who's been through the paid program and helped develop it named Allison Johnson. She was a student of mine at Eastfield College 10 years ago, went to SMU, graduated, doing wonderful things as well. But this is her volunteer activity. So in June, if you can tell people how to get in touch with us, of course, and they want to sign up, that would be terrific. And, um, well, let's do this real quick then. So for listeners, you just heard two things, two calls to action here. One is if you know a story of, of, of a kid who's been up to something, you got to reach out and, and, and tell these two about that. And then two, if you want to be part of this class in June or other classes in the future uh, on, on the PAVE program, then you want to reach out to, go to if they go to philanthropykids.org, yeah. there's a contact feature, right? Yeah, there's a contact feature. And if they go to philanthropykids.org slash submit, they'll be able to submit a story. And if they go to philanthropykids.org slash pave, P-A-V-E, they'll be able to find out more information about our upcoming uh programs okay so two more two more things real quick so um i think it's important that that we that we understand that just really what's happened here with the two of you which i just really applaud and appreciate and want to celebrate is that so bob hopkins started this pave program this educational outreach and got involved with you and you've grown up as a as a as a very entrepreneurial young man so i want to talk about entrepreneurship as well and somewhere along the line something happened magically and that those two worlds collided and that i believe philanthropy kids acquired the pave program and now the two of you are working together yeah so um like i i started philanthropy kids as my eco scout project and at the time the focus was create this magazine uh, 
as we collect stories and, and publish these stories. Um, and then I was working with Mr. Hopkins on it, like as like he was a mentor during the whole process, and he was very involved in the creation of that. Additionally, Mr. Hopkins is still, uh, the pay program was still like alive and uh, still a functioning organization. Um, and we thought, hey, we're already working together. Let's see if we can just, you know, do both. And so Mr. Hopkins uh, called me, I think in 2013, and said, hey, let's revamp the pay program. It'll be like under philanthropy kids and we'll integrate entrepreneurship. So instead of philanthropy and volunteerism in education, it'll be philanthropy and volunteerism in entrepreneurship. And it'll still, you know, have the education aspect in it. It's still a course, but we not only do all the nonprofit analysis and all the communication skills development, we're now also adding social entrepreneurship um, skills and uh, things like that uh, to the curriculum. Brilliant. So, it's so brilliant. And that was Mr. Hopkins' idea. It's brilliant. It's so it's so timely. It's so it's so relevant. Who reads your your publication? Um, so our target audience is kids who are, you know, theoretically they see another if they're an eight year old and they read a story about another eight year old, they get the idea that, oh, this eight year old did something cool that helps someone. I can do that too. But we also have a lot of adults that are reading it that are just interested in seeing, oh, look at what these kids are up to. They're doing a lot of meaningful things with their um, life at, you know, 12 years old, 14 years old, five years old. And so um, it's kind of a mixed audience uh, in terms of age ranges. I want to go back to what you said earlier, Bob, that I was going to pick up on and then I forgot about it. And that was what you said when kids are involved in some kind of volunteerism and uh, what that does for their lives. And what you just said there, Amit, so what a beautiful contribution to the world that you are giving young people, kids, an opportunity to see for themselves what they could contribute to the world at a very young age. I could do that, too. That kid did it. I could do it, too. That is such a beautiful contribution. And so what I know from the work that I do in the purpose space is that when we are focused on contributing to other people, it it takes away our focus on ourselves, and it makes us healthier, happier human beings. And when we can stand in that place, it it, it really does take away depression, which is a big problem in the world today. Um, And to your point earlier about helping to start to eradicate poverty and um, a life of crime, that goes a long, long way. And if you're here together working where you're trying to really help instill in the young minds of people the possibility of really contributing on this kind of a scale and starting to discover their own purpose, Again, I'm completely in. I want to completely celebrate anything that you're up to and and support it. So I'm happy that you're here sharing. What other programs? What else are you up to together? Well, I want to say something about our program and where it needs to be. It needs to be in school systems, in okay. school districts. Mm-hmm. We have not been able to um, significantly get our program in the in in the middle of the day. They say we can do this before school or after school, but we can't take away from. Science and math, because that's what the tax test is. That's what these tests are all about for recognition and for success. They think that passion and and um, academics go together automatically because of what you learn in science and math, which is not right. We think that you need to teach the heart as well. 
In fact, when you teach agree. The, when we teach the heart, it cre- increases self-esteem, and when you increase self-esteem, academics get better. Choices are different, and if every school district had a course like this talking about the heart instead of just science and math all the time, we probably would have some kids who are wholesome and who would not be in so many people in prison and doing so many bad things. And um, I've seen it happen individually. Now I just have to get this transferred to the minds of administrators of school districts. Okay, this is such a great point. So in terms of what you're both up to, wow, this would this is a huge next step and evolution in what you're doing together to move this into the pike of making this part of the everyday part of going to school. And I am completely with you. I think it's a crime that we have one taken out a lot of the art programs today. Now we take out we take out the heart piece of it. What's what's left? Do we just want to become all robots here in the world? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think mm-hmm. so. So what? it going to take gentlemen how do we we hopefully we've got some administrators listening to this who maybe can start to move the dial and reach out to you but what's it going to take to get this mainstream well um back to me again just for the thing and then let me make a decision here about what he wants to say about about it i think the philanthropy in 1990 didn't exist nobody knew what it was today everybody knows about it i see it i read it i hear it every single day now philanthropy and giving back and now i think there's a lot of programs out there that are happening so i do think things are happening i think it's happening slowly i just want to encourage everyone to do what they can to make sure that everybody's involved in a project or so and everybody has a purpose and everybody can do right for the world um, I don't think necessarily a lot of our role models right now are talking about the heart and talking about being kind to each other. And I think that though those of us who believe in this can do something every day to tell somebody else about the need and the necessity to pay attention and do something good for somebody else just today. And then- um, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And to add, I think, um, yeah, the word philanthropy and the concept of philanthropy is a lot more commonplace and a lot more familiar to people uh, now than, I mean, I can't speak for 1990, but uh, even <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, like it's it's very, um, it, it's talked about a lot, um, whether kids my age, uh, like in the early 20s, or like uh, kids my parents' age, or like kids my brother's age, who's 15, no, 16, 16, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I think like one thing that we also need to take into consideration is that like every community has its own culture and its own identity. And we need to make sure that like, while the pay program should be applied to, I think every school, I agree with that. Um, we should make sure that like, we're looking at it holistically and saying, Hey, in this in this uh, at this school, it should be taught with this small spin on it, or with this small spin on it at this school. Um, but for the most part, it's the same overall curriculum. It just might be different, you know, a different service project in a different part of town, or like a um, you know uh, different format in another one. So uh, I think just understanding that, like, while we want it to be extremely like. Uh, you know, prevalent. We want to make sure that we're not just, um, you know, saying one size fits all and understanding that we do need to take into consideration the individual identity of each school and each community. I got that. I got that. So what I what I want to say here really quick to what you both said about this, where you're where you're at in terms of taking this to another level. Um, you do that and you know you really are going to change the world. You're already changing the world today, but you get this into the school system and we're talking whole next stratosphere. 
So is it is there a, is there another step? Could could you start by going into the the private school system? Well, you know, private schools obviously are children who are usually upper middle class. Yes. And I think my our focus needs to be on the poor kids. So we're working with schools that are predominantly minority. Um, and I, that's where I really want to go and what's really what I want to do because we have seen so, the same success in those kinds of schools as we have in schools that have upper middle class students. Upper middle class students come from parents who probably do some volunteerism. Unfortunately, I think as they say, 10% of the population does 90% of the work. I want to make this 60% of the population is doing 90% of the work. Yeah. You know, we, I, I think it's an issue of access and we want to provide access to those who don't already have access to it. Uh, with private schools, they, they would likely have access to it, whether we were there or not. We might be able to, you know, influence some things, but we can probably make a bigger impact uh, working with uh, a different kind of schools. Right. And we have so many cultures now to talk about. I mean, because of the immigration of this country, which is how we're built, et cetera, we need to focus on people who've never heard of helping anybody at all. I went to Mexico and they didn't get it. They don't understand it. They say the government is responsible for all this. We're not responsible. And I had to convince them to do it. And then when they did it, they gave me an applause. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping us and making us do this because we see now the benefit that we have individually for doing something good for our community instead of waiting for the government to do everything. Oh, that's called empowerment right yeah, there. That is. is fantastic. And of course, I stand for that too. In our last little bit of time together, we've just got a few minutes left here. Um, I, I think it will be really wonderful, a contribution and a gift to our listeners. If you could each just say a little something about what is it? I mean, you've got this one precious life. And if you don't mind me asking, I know you're 20, Amit. Bob, how old are you these days? I'm 75. 75. He's 75. Um, still going strong, and I, I don't even I don't I don't see an endpoint here. Um, so help us understand, Bob. What is it? What do you really want your life to stand for? Well, you know, I'm just doing one project at a time right now. I'm doing this book. I'm putting my whole focus in on this book. It's 250 pages of wonderful things that people are doing, and uh, hopefully that. It will get into the hands of a lot of folks who will say, ah, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that. So my, mine is distribution of this book right now, and that's, that's my focus. Plus, we're teaching a class, and I'm just waiting for the next step. So any of your audience who has an idea of what I should be doing next, have it at me. <laughs> Did you, know? you hear that, listeners? Yeah. What do you have for Mr. Bob Hopkins to do next? Yeah. Okay, Amit, what about you? Um, well, when we started the show, I mentioned that I like to think, I like to learn, I like to help people, and I like to help people help people. And while it might be four individual statements, I think it's a progression. At first, I like to think, and then that moves on to learning, and then that moves on to helping people uh, using what I've learned. And then it goes to the empowerment that you mentioned earlier, helping people help people. And I think that's what I want to like end my life knowing that I did a successful job of getting people involved in causes that they care about and getting them to sustain that throughout their life. So that way, while I can volunteer every weekend, and I probably will, um, if I can bring my friends to it and help other people start volunteering every weekend, then you can just maximize your impact. Completely agree with that. And and since I think all three of us care about, there seems to be an interest in the, the global connection, the planetary connection here. I, I, I love the idea that you're taking this program back home to India. Um, I, I just think that it's just so, so important. And, and so is there anything about the, 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 the global nature of what you're up to that calls you? Yeah. 
so uh, I mean, like I was born here. My parents immigrated here, um, and like it's just like I. So I grew up with two, uh, understanding both cultures, uh, both like the Indian culture as well as the American culture, and knowing that like there are differences in the way that like people act and just interact with each other. Um, there's always opportunity to like you know learn from other cultures, and if we can share this with um, the Indian people and we can learn something from them. Uh, I'm happy to continue that relationship. I find working with different cultures so stimulating and, yes, learning from them. We're really almost out of time here. Mr. Bob Hopkins, final words, last pearls of wisdom for us. God grants you the serenity to accept the things you cannot change. Change the things that you can, and then you'll be at peace. Beautiful, Bob. Last minute for you. I was lucky to have met Mr. Hopkins when I was in ninth grade. But if you didn't get that opportunity, just remember, you don't have to be rich or old to be a philanthropist. You just have to care. Beautiful. What a way to finish, gentlemen. I am so much bigger and better having been in your presence and been part of your lives. I thank you so very much for being on the show, contributing your heart, your passion. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. If you want to learn more about Bob or Amit, you can probably just start by going to philanthropykids.org. You can find them both that way. And again, that's how you can reach out and give Bob more work to do and reach out and give stories to Amit and the other organization. So stay with us. Look for you next week. We're going to have another conversation that nourishes our mind and heart. And remember that work is at least one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>